Welcome to Inclusion Matters, a podcast about children's development from the Center for Inclusive Childcare. Welcome to Inclusion Matters, a podcast from the Center for Inclusive Child Care. I'm Priscilla Weigel, the Executive Director, and I'm here today with a great partner of ours and a, a wonderful early childhood advocate, Sarah Hawley. She is a public health nurse, and she also owns Minnesota Child Care Health Consultants, which is a nurse consulting organization that goes out to child care and really helps all of our listeners, all of you out there who are caring for young children, to really make sure that you're doing what you can do to keep your children healthy and safe, and also your staff. And that all trickles down to families. It really does cover a lot of areas. Today, we are going to talk about a really great topic. So first of all, thank you, Sarah, for being with us today. I'm glad you're here. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Always fun to chat with you. Yeah, I think we're going to learn a lot from you today because you have so much to offer on this topic. Our topic today is really how do you make sure that your whole team, when you are uh, an early childhood educator and you have a team of folks that are working in your site, how do you make sure that they're all on the same page when it comes to health and safety procedures? Those really important things that need to be in place for licensing and for the health department and for all you know safety precautions. So, Sarah, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, what are some things that you see as really important when you're trying to get everybody together at the same level? Yeah, good question. A really good, important topic, um, thinking about child care. Um, I would say that staff really should just be knowledgeable about infectious diseases and sanitation practices. Simply put, I would say properly implemented health policies can reduce the spread of illness. So that's not only just like you said, you had a great lead in Priscilla um, among the children and childcare, but also among staff members, family members, and really in the whole greater community. So just basic knowledge of health and safety really is essential to working in childcare. Mm-hmm. That's, and that's a lot because there's a lot yes. of things that go around. We know with those little people that we're taking care of, they're coughing in our face, there's runny noses, but there's a lot of things. And especially now with the pandemic, it seems that there's just a heightened awareness of that spread of disease and illness. And so people, it, it seems like a prime time to be talking about this too, because it's it's kind of a, a recharge opportunity to say, okay, what did we have in place before? Maybe that was working then, but we're in a different era now. Things have changed. And so how does, uh, what do you recommend when you look at the training of staff so that you can provide consistent um, content, but also making sure that you're kind of meeting people where they're at too? Right. Um, Well, you mentioned a key word there with training. Um, It's a lot of training, really good, thorough training. Um, And there's actual staff training requirements, like you said, you mentioned with licensing in the health department. But um, there's basically two components for licensing that have to be um, go along with training. The first is pre-service initial training. So that's required for licensed child care providers to have training before they care for the children. So kind of their onboarding process. Um, This is going to help ensure providers have the knowledge and the skills to provide a healthy and safe environment for the children in care. And many of those pre-service training requirements, if you look at those listed requirements, a lot of them are focused right around health and safety. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then secondly, there's ongoing training um, to reinforce, you know, skills. It reminds, it refreshes, and just like I said, reinforce those skills. Um, and that's really the important piece to keeping the staff on the same page long term. Yeah. And I think in part two of our conversation, we're going to talk a little bit more about ways to kind of make sure that you can do that in um, a real consistent manner. So as we think about training, and I know you're out and about, and your nurses are out and about in a lot of sites, so you probably see a wide array of ways that that folks are trying to get their staff to be trained. And I'm sure you've seen really great ways and you may be seeing ways that just haven't been really consistently working. So do you want to right. share a little bit about that? Yes, absolutely. Um, I would always start with policies and procedures. First off, um, I previously mentioned that staff need to have the knowledge and the skills. So this is just one part. So policies are going to help with that knowledge piece, having everything in writing, having everything written out as a guide, um, and it's both family child care programs as well as child care centers should have written health policies and ensure that they're carried out. So there's actually a specific list of what their health policies need to include in their licensing rules, as I mentioned before, and it's required that staff be oriented to those. Um, so implementation is always, you know, of course, the responsibility of the license holder. So it's not enough to just have them read through those, mm-hmm. um, you know. So another good reason to train your staff well, because it's ultimately the responsibility of the license holder. But I would definitely start with having the staff read through those policies and procedures. Um, That's for starters, like I said, but it's not enough to just have the staff um, read through that policy manual. That's not going to yield good results if that's your entire training piece. you got to do more than that. But it's a great starting point to lay the foundation for those policies and the procedures that, you know, you implement in your center. Mm-hmm. That's great. And I I think that, um, you know, that is so true that just reading through a manual, it's dry, it's it gets to be overwhelming, and it all kind of blurs in your mind at, over time. And so having someone sit down and do that and checking that box and saying done doesn't mean that they actually know how to skillfully implement those policies and procedures. And so as we always in our podcast, we always try to engage our listeners a little bit. And I'm, I'm curious for those of you who are listening, we'd love it if you'd uh, share with share back with us some of the ways that you do more than just have your team just read through things. How do you, what are some creative ways that um, our listeners who are curious have really pulled people in in a more interactive way to really cement some of these concepts and to build some of these skills. So that's just something we'd love to hear from you all who are listening. And um, as we think about this, Sarah, and we look at policies and procedures and that list, and you talked about pre-service training, and then, you know, so that's a challenge getting, and and so I'm kind of going back to our earlier point there, because we know, especially right now, staffing is such a challenge. Mm -hmm. So to say that you're going to hire someone who's going to be qualified and before you put them in the in with kids, they're going to need to read through these. I mean, that's got to be a hard thing to do. Are you noticing out in the in the world right now that big challenge of like folks? How are they handling that? And I mean, because of course you want to be you're usually filling a, a space for a staff person that's been empty for a period of time. So you you don't have the luxury of kind of that slow onboarding process. And right. I know I'm kind of throwing you for a loop here, but um, 
anything that you've noticed out there with with the crisis that's happening right now in childcare? I have noticed that with the onboarding of new staff, it seems to be such crunch time right now where there is a huge staffing shortage and it's really a problem. And so you get someone hired, luckily, and the thought is to, you know, kind of rush up their training so that you can get them in the classroom. I can tell you, I see that often we go in lots of programs and it ends up backfiring. It yeah. really does. Staff need, you got to take the time and the energy um, to really give them good training. It's just going to ultimately yield better results in the end. And yeah. I know in part two, we're really going to kind of touch on some of those pieces with that. Um, but yeah, it just is never good to just rush a staff person into the classroom. And, and we'll talk about more that more in part two. Yeah. And I'm thinking too, I mean, there and sometimes in these situations, as you said, crunch time, this crisis moment, there's not even a staff that you could even say could mentor, perhaps, because you may have lost both staff in the classroom and you're starting two new people. And so you don't even have that person who's kind of that eyes and ears from with a little bit of seniority that can say, oh, this is how we do it. And because I know, um, you know, when you think about ways of implementing some of those policies and procedures, you mentioned when we were talking in, an, in another conversation, just kind of that idea of how do you provide hands-on training? How do you how do you set things up that doesn't pull right. someone out of the classroom? You want them to be doing yeah. it actively, right? To be an active yes. learner. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So as we said, the policies and the procedures, read through those, great starting point, but you cannot just get done with that and ship them off to the classroom like they're trained in. That hands-on piece is essential, even in staffing shortages. Um, it's really, you got to figure out some sort of way um, to get it done. So, mm -hmm. you know, whether that's the director, assistant director, or even being in the classroom and having that staff shadow another staff person while they're doing the work, you know, of changing a diaper or giving them medication, whatever it is, but have that staff person shadow that other person. Um, so have them watch them and then do it themselves and demonstrate their skills for that experienced staff person, you know, maybe while they are working in the classroom together, but kind of partner them together so that that's that newer staff person is still being used, but they're mm -hmm. still being, you know, shadowed so that someone's watching over them. I know yeah. there's a lot of research on this, too, that shows that if someone just participates in their training, so let's say they just read through their policy and procedure manuals, or they even they just view, you know, someone doing something like giving a medication I mentioned or shadowing that other staff person, it doesn't ensure that that participant is going to master the information and be able to perform the skills. So appropriate hands-on practice resulting from the training really needs to be, excuse me, assessed by either the supervisor, a director, or that experienced staff person. Mm -hmm. And even if you hire an experienced staff person, you know, maybe they've worked in another child care center and they bring years of experience. They really still need this just to make sure they're not bringing any bad habits or yeah. incorrect, you know, techniques. You really want to nip those in the bud. If you've got your policies and procedures and you know you've got the best, healthiest and safest way of doing things, you want to make sure there's consistency. So even those, um, you know, experienced people that might be new to your program, you really still need to figure out a way to have them demonstrate those skills just to make sure everything's on the up and up and being done the way that is up to your standards. Oh, that's fabulous. Your point about, you know, even having someone who's seasoned, you don't want them bringing in the, the, the habits that really don't right. need to be infused into your program. And I think, you know, sometimes too, when even a seasoned classroom staff 
who's been doing it without even thinking for so long. You know, it's just go, you know, you, you just do it so naturally. It's a really nice re- kind of a refresher for them to actually be responsible to shadow and to mentor that other staff person too, because it refreshes all those policies and procedures in their mind. Um, you know, I know have I've taught in the classroom for years and years and years, and it was always nice to have an opportunity to kind of go, okay, how do we really do things in in here? And to have to articulate that to another person, mm-hmm. and it keeps you kind of on your toes. It does. It helps you keep your skills sharp and helps you voice them out to, you know, kind of think about everything, keeps everyone, like I said, on their toes. So yeah. it is super important. Yeah. And, and it, it really builds upon the person's experience, too, that they're bringing you know, not to say that they have bad habits, but just maybe little things that, you know, you can take their experience of what they know and just, like I said, build upon it from their, you know, shared ideas. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you have a good example of one one thing that happens regularly in a classroom that where you think, boy, this really applies so well to this situation? Yeah, I would say take, for instance, diapering. Mm-hmm. Childcare staff change a lot of diapers on a lot of different children throughout the course of a day or a week. So it's imperative to use correct procedures. There's so many steps with diapering and everyone thinks, oh, I know how to change a diaper. I mean, who doesn't? Um, But changing a diaper in, you know, a childcare center where there's multiple children in the same classroom using the same diapering table, it's very different than how you would do it. you know, in your home or whatnot. Um, And poor diapering techniques can lead to illness outbreaks and those illnesses can spread through a room or even a whole facility really fast. So it's important to have good training on this. So again, have that staff person read through the procedures. You know, you should have approved diapering procedures. Have the person or the new staff person read through those um, and then have them view the other staff person to see how it's done correctly and then have them demonstrate changing the diaper while being observed by that, you know, experienced staff person or their supervisor or director. Mm -hmm. Um, This isn't only going to help to ensure that they've got the correct practices in place, but it also helps keep staff challenged and stimulated that they'll feel supported kind of like we talked about in their training and it ensures everyone then is diapering the same way. Right. Right. Um, And, you know, a couple other tips on this too. Um, licensed child care centers in Minnesota should have a child care health consultant nurse. Mm-hmm. I would have them view all um, new staff diapering. Nice. You know, diapering, oh. Yeah, d- there's diapering going on throughout the course of a day. If the health consultant comes in once a month, just see if you can grab them and have them look at the new staff person's diapering. You know, we're experts in pediatric health specializing in child care. Mm-hmm. centers um, and in health and safety practices there. So, you know, tap into the health consultant and just, it's another set of eyes and professional eyes that should be really familiar with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another final tip on the diapering piece is have the procedures posted right at the diapering table. It's actually a licensing requirement. They need to be posted there, but that way too, staff can glance at those and always refer yeah. back to them down the road so that it's like, oh yeah, you know, I do this step just to help to keep everyone on the same page. It's just, it's a good reference for staff to have right there. Definitely. And as you said, you know, a great way to combat 
the spread of a lot of illnesses that can go through a lot of people. And, mm-hmm. you know, earlier you mentioned it's it's for the greater community safety, too, because all these children are leaving and going into their homes and all these staff are leaving and going into their homes. So it is it really creates a ripple effect when you're if you're doing something that's really safe and, and um, healthy, it's going to benefit everybody. So I am thrilled with how detailed our conversation has been on this topic, and I'm looking forward to part two, when we really look at some more ways that you can ensure some ongoing training. You know, I loved your suggestion about having the the health nurse come in and observe because it does help to have a different, another set of eyes and also someone who that's just their, their focus. And we know that that's so helpful in all different areas, whether it's health and safety, infant toddler care, you know, all sorts of things. But um, so we're going to have you back for part two. And I want to encourage all of our listeners, if you want more resources on this topic, we have a lot of great health and safety resources on our website. We have a self-study that was actually written for us by Sarah. And it's about, you know, really making sure that your practices in your childcare setting are really um, conducive to what is the right health and safety uh atmosphere and environment for all young children. We have tip sheets. We have lots of resources and links to other things. So um, I encourage you to go to inclusivechildcare.org if you have any other needs for resources. And there's a lot of other information there too. So thank you, Sarah, for helping us with part one. I look forward to having you back for part two. Absolutely. Look forward to it. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. For more resources, visit us at inclusivechildcare.org.